Deer found her. As you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Deer Found Her podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. Today's guest, Chriselle Lim, is one of the most sought-after digital creators, garnering over 4 million followers across Instagram and TikTok and over 700,000 subscribers on YouTube. But before we get into today's episode, I wanted to take a second to introduce myself. I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk, and I've been building brands for nearly 25 years. With a $500 investment, I founded, built, and sold a seven-figure business that reached 3 million people per month. This podcast is my weekly letter to you to inspire you to find success through your own entrepreneurial endeavors. This podcast is the show that I wanted 13 years ago when I myself became a female founder. So if there's anything that you want to hear about or anything that you want me to share to help you through your own endeavors, I invite you to reach out. Simply email me at lindsay at lindsaypinchuk.com or DM me at lindsaypinchuk. And if you're inspired by today's episode, I invite you to share it. Simply text it to a friend or share it in your stories on Instagram. If you tag me at Lindsay Pinchuk or at Dear Found Her, I will absolutely come and say hi and I will more than likely share your story. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, I would love it if you left us a five-star rating or review as that's how other entrepreneurs discover our show and the incredible stories like Chris L's that we share right here. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash Dear Found Her, and you can leave a rating or review wherever it is that you listen. So today's guest is a powerhouse in every sense of the word. Honestly, I don't even know where to begin when it comes to her resume or when it comes to her bio. It is so long and so in-depth and so involved. And as you, you'll you hear in today's conversation, there are so many different companies that Chriselle has her hands in on. I mean, she really is a serial founder in every sense of the word. She's the owner and creative director of cult favorite perfume Fleur, which was selected as one of the new best fragrances in 2022 by Forbes. It was also a finalist for the 2023 Fragrance Foundation Awards and Glamour described it as the brand that broke the internet. You will hear today how Chriselle created this company and moved this company forward as a DTC company. It's a perfume brand. You can't smell a DTC perfume on the internet. So she's going to tell you how she got that cult following. With a wait list of over 200,000 people, Lim has established the brand to what it is today. Additionally, she's also the co-founder of Bumo, which brings licensed education-based childcare to the workplace. As a go-getter and savvy businesswoman, Lim saw a missing piece in the support system 
for moms and became passionate to find a solution for millennial parents, specifically working mothers. She also will talk, you will also hear her talk today how she got started as a OG blogger. She was, she had a career in fashion. She was a wardrobe stylist. She logged hours and years of editorial shoots with prominent fashion books and celebrities. And in 2011, she founded the Chriselle Factor to chronicle her daily musings and personal style. She launched her YouTube channel in 2008 to empower women all over the world to discover their true beauty and confidence. And in 2019, Mattel created a Barbie styled by Lim, which sold out in the first three hours of the launch. We didn't even talk about that on the podcast. She's partnered with luxury brands such as Chanel, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, Dior, and Fendi, as well as mass market labels from Revlon and more. It's safe to say that Chriselle has no plan of slowing down. She continues to encourage, educate, and inspire all women across the globe through her financial insight, her personal style, her runway trends, her beauty secrets, her fashion tips, and tricks. She recently was included in Gotham's top 10 fun and inspiring fashion influencers on TikTok. She's now one of the most influential tastemakers on the web. And if her addicting daily musings are any indication, the best is yet to come. I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation. I cannot wait for you to meet Chriselle Lim. So come on in. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I am so excited about today's guest. We have been working so hard to get her on Dear Founder, and I'm so glad that she is here. Chriselle Lim, who is the creator and founder of Fleur, is joining us. And not only is she the creator and founder of Fleur, but as you will hear in a minute, she has so much going on. She wears so many hats. I'm not sure how she does it all, but I'm sure she will share that with us today. So Chriselle, welcome. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm a, a big fan of your pod. So thank, thank you, for you so me. much. So let's dive in. Like I said, you wear so many different hats. When I got your bio, I was like, holy shit, like how does this woman do all of this? Um, I, I just it really is amazing. So I'd love for you to just give some background to our listeners, tell them who you are, what is it that you do, and all of the hats that you wear. Sure. So I guess in a nutshell, people are always like, can you just describe in one sentence what you do? And I'm like, okay, I will do my best because sometimes um, I can't package it up perfectly. But um, first and foremost, I am a mother of two girls, an eight-year-old and a four-year-old. And I am the founder of a fine fragrance company called Fleur and also a parenting company called Bumo. And, um, you know, that was really born out of the pandemic. And I've been an OG content creator since I was in college, so for over 15 years now, and I'm still a proud content creator till this day. I'm a creative at heart, so it really is something that I I, I am very passionate about. So I kind of wear multiple different hats every single day, but that is, in a nutshell, what I do. And I think one thing kind of led to the other. There was really no um, linear path for me or a plan that... Um, that I was going by, as I mentioned earlier, I am a creative at heart. So when I was in college, I was in fashion school. I was just looking for an outlet to really um, just like be able to be creative. And so that was when blogs were just starting off and YouTube. And so I was one of the very first content creators to have quote unquote, a fashion blog and um, quote unquote, being a YouTuber 
And that is kind of how I got my start. And so I was just constantly updating tutorials uh, way back in the day. And I think that was when the digital sphere was just booming and just getting started and noticing all these young youngins like myself back then creating interesting content. And they viewed it as a for an, a medium as um, a form of advertising. And so I was able to build a small business around it. Um, and then one thing led to another and I just started working with kind of uh, my dream brands, a lot of luxury fashion brands, Chanel, Louis Vuitton, um, and flying out to all these different cities that I could dream of going to fashion weeks. And then from there I became a mom. And that's how Bumo, my company was born. And it was really out of a need because I was like, okay, I can do this. I could still have it all um, while being a parent. And I soon realized that there was very little option for childcare. And so I felt like either I had to, I had to choose between work or being a mom. And so my business partner and I created Bumo, which is essentially an on-demand childcare marketplace. Um, it's evolved into that where you could find high premium childcare uh, wherever you're at, um, at your fingertip, because we believe that um, finding high quality childcare should be as easy as ordering food, which I know is hard to believe because it doesn't exist yet. And that's why we decided to create Bumo. Um, and then Fleur came about, which we could dive into a little bit later, but it's a fine fragrance company that uh, my business partner and I um, bought. We overtook the company. We relaunched it in a very massive way. And it's kind of known as the viral TikTok uh, perfume talk um, of I guess, Gen Z, we were not planning that either, but it really took off at a very special time in my life, which was during my divorce. <laughs> and so I was able to tell these emotional stories through these perfumes that we we're creating. First, I want to go back to you being a content creator because you are an OG content creator. And even though your path wasn't linear, I think it's safe to say that your success as a content creator is what led you to these other endeavors. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm I a firm believer that one thing will always lead you to the next thing, even that is not the official thing that you're supposed to land on, but everything is always a stepping stone to the next thing. So when you started your blog and your YouTube channel like early on, how did you know how to monetize this? How did you know how to make this into a business or did you did it not phase you at first and you were just putting content out? Well, back then it was a totally different ball game. We were not being a quote unquote content creator because there was money opportunity. We were doing it purely out of passion. There was no such thing as making money off of your content. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> All right. So I wanted you to say that. I mean, really, truly, that's why I asked you that because I'm a firm believer in the fact that you show up and serve. And when you show up and serve and you are yourself and you are passionate about what it is that you're doing, these other opportunities eventually present themselves and come your way. And that's what everyone did when the internet was starting and blogs were starting. I mean, it wasn't to your point, no one was making money, but how did you turn it into a business? And how did you realize that like, oh, maybe I could be making some money here? Yeah. So the creators back then, when we were starting off, as I mentioned, it was purely out of passion and as a hobby. And I think the industry was just warming up. It was just getting started. And so a lot of us, we would be talking to one another and we'd be like, oh my God, this 
brand hit me up and, you know, they want to pay me. And so one thing led to another. And I think the community just started realizing that they there were brands that wanted to pay there was no such thing as an influencer back then. There was no word that was coined how to call a creator. So um, we were really called bloggers back then. Right. So bloggers, um, when we were starting off, I, I think it was a very slow build. And I think it was, I think it was like Victoria's Secret or or I forgot what the brand was, but it was a pretty big mass brand. And um, they flew us out to New York to go to the fashion show and then they paid us and like it, it, it was a moment and that's when we're like oh wow there is something here and I think again it was a slow build but um you know we weren't like rolling in the dough immediately but because we were we kind of looked at it as a plus because we were doing it for free for fun anyways and people wanted to pay us I mean, that was a win-win. We were in college and we were just having a lot of fun and we weren't really thinking beyond that, to be honest, or at least I wasn't. So it was just kind of something that came along and it was something that you made some money from and then you continued doing until when? Like, I mean, you do it now, but until when did you add to that? When did you add to that in terms of your career and your professional life? Um, what I remember, I think it was three years in doing it just kind of for fun. That's when I was like, okay, um, I think it was the the fork in the road where I had to make a decision of, do I actually go out and get a job because now I'm done with college? Or do I really invest my time in here? Obviously, I can make money because I have been making money here and there for the past three years. And that was actually when um, my agency that I was working with at the time, um, they were just starting off as well. And so they're like, they reached out and they're like, you know, we're starting off this agency. We're going to represent some of you guys that are bloggers. Uh, and I told myself, why, why don't I just try this? Give this a year. And if it doesn't work out, then I could go out and find the job. I'm, I'm still freshly out of college. And so, yeah, that was when I actually went full steam and did a full time. And I remember having Laura, who still works with me till this day. Um, she was my assistant at the time and now she runs my company. So yeah, it was, it was fun times. So let's talk about your company, not the other two companies, but your company. Like your your content creation company, how is how does that look? How many people work for you? How like, tell give us a little lay of the land here. Yeah, so I have a company called Chriselle Inc. Um, short for Sync, and so it's a production company, and we actually work with several brands outside of me as a content creator because we have a full production team who produces. We have a full-time shooter. We have a photographer. We have pretty much everything that, uh, and they really understand how to create digital content. And so half the time they're working on content for me, which brands are sponsoring me for, or we're creating campaigns for with my face in it. But then the other half of the time, the team is creating campaigns for the actual companies and the brands in itself. So there's, I believe, five of us now. It's still a small, small and lean team. And then how is your role in that overall, other than being a content creator and being the face of many of these campaigns? What is your role in everything? So I am the founder. I do have a CEO and a president of my company who pretty much handles, um, you know, the, I guess, all the background 
things that you could imagine to run a company. So I do have a, a very sufficient team, which allows me to stay creative. And that's something that I learned along the way, because for a long time, and since I've been doing this for 15 years, I kind of had to play a lot of the different roles. But I realized the more that I'm in the day-to-day business and the negotiations and the money t- part, um, it takes away from my strength, which is the creativity. And so that was kind of a hard learning for us. And so now we have a lot of people in place to really focus on those things. So it allows me to stay creative. So for me, I really try to stay in the creative lane. And of course, a big picture of like, you know, where we want the company to go. And then obviously, um, my business partner and I will strategize together to how to get there. But the actual day-to-day, my my team actually handles that. Well, and you just said something that is so important for everyone who's listening to hear. You said, I needed to focus on my strengths. And it was a hard lesson to learn. So those two things are so important for any female founder because we all want to do everything. Let's be honest. And a lot of us take on more than we can chew. And I think that's a pretty fair statement to say about many of us who are wired to be female founders. And the fact that you acknowledge that and found the people to complement your own skill set allows you to do these other things that you are doing now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was really a hard lesson for me because, um, as I mentioned, I do have multiple different companies and I, uh, I, it was almost impossible for me to, run at my full capacity with all those companies that I was a part of and be creative because a lot of those companies, they brought me on board um, to be creative. But the minute that I stepped out of that creative lane and I was doing other things, I wasn't able to perform my best. So everyone was suffering, even though I was trying to do more. And so that was definitely a hard lesson. But I think you kind of have to to put your hands a little bit everywhere at first to realize that. Yeah, you have to Try it out. See what you're good at, right? See yeah, what exactly. works and what doesn't. Because, you know, I mean, for me too, it was like, I'm not a numbers person. Like, I, I mean, you said you were creative. I'm a marketer. I'm also creative. And I, like, really learned the hard way that I needed a bookkeeper and, and a, you know, an accountant with my first company. Second time around, that was the first thing I hired, right? I mean, it's like you learn. You live and you learn. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about Bumo because that was really, truthfully... When your team reached out to me, that was, I mean, all of this spike, like sparks my interest, but given my background in the parenting space, I really, my, my antennas went up and I was like, what is this? <laughs> and why didn't this exist when my kids needed childcare? Because yeah. it, you know, it really is an amazing idea and what you're building is amazing. And I know geographically it's only in certain places right now, correct? Correct. But it seems like it's expanding. Yes. Yes. So yeah. I would, so like, what, like, I know you gave a little bit on the, on the top of the episode about it, but let, let's talk a little bit more about like what exactly it is and how it works. Sure. So Bumo was really born out of my own personal need. And I, I think the best businesses are born when it's something that you personally need and you find out that other people around you need it as well. And so as I quickly mentioned earlier that when I had a child, my very first child, Chloe, who's now eight, um, I struggled to find a perfect balance, a perfect medium of, okay, I could still be a present mom and be included in all of these activities in her life while 
still working. And I felt like there was no options for that. It was either I dropped her off at childcare or I had to work from home with the nanny, but obviously one that is costly. And two, when the child knows that you're at home, they still want you, right? No matter if someone's watching them or not. And, and so that idea of essentially and how Boom was started is pretty different than where it is now, but just so you have a background of how it started, it was really to figure out a space where the parents can have like a work area lounge, like a co-working space. And then across on the other side of the building, it's a joint childcare. So you can hop in and out uh, to do mommy and me lessons or activities. So you're not missing out on these big milestones. If you have to breastfeed, you can hop on over to breastfeed and then hop back on over to the other side to take a call. And that that is essentially what Bumo, how Bumo started. And um, that does exist still. It's called Bumo Work, which is um, a joint co-working space space with childcare at uh, Westfield Century City Mall in in sorry in Los Angeles Westfield Century City shopping center right next to Nordstrom but what we realized was it was very hard to expand this concept in a very scalable way um, because one it just takes forever to build these out and to just the permits and the licensing and all of that it was a nightmare to be able to Get Because our goal was to really serve as many parents as we could. And although parents love this idea, we were not able to successfully open up multiple of these um, quickly. And so we, we figured out what the parents really needed. And that was top tier child care. That was the very, very, very the most important thing that a parent needed. Yes, the co-working space, the nice, luxurious, aesthetic experience was kind of the cherry on top, but it wasn't the most important thing. The most important thing we realized was the uh, on-demand, high-quality childcare that they could rely on because things happen. You know, nannies call out sick or, you know, all of a sudden your child, I, I don't know, is sick and can't go to school and you need extra help. And so we were thinking how do we how do we get these top childcare spaces and put them in like a platform where it's bumo certified and verified so parents know that because at the end of the day bumo is a very recognizable name now in the past 3 years we've been able to build that trust and that brand um the branding of trust between parents and so we said okay we're going to put all these top tier child care centers on a platform and it's all BUMO verified and certified. So that means they have to re, uh, meet a certain requirement. Pretty much they have the stamp of approval. And so we're, we are working on an app right now. It's all on a website for the time being. You could go on there, type in what city you're at, um, and it will show you everywhere around you what spots are available for child care. And they're verified and vetted out by Bumo. And so let's say you're traveling to New York and you're like, oh, I have a work meeting at this hour and my child is with me. Let me quickly type in um, the location I'm at and see what's around me that I could quickly drop her off for, I don't know, half day, full day, a few hours, whatever that is. And so we believe that if you just imagine it's like a resi for childcare or an Uber for childcare, and that's what um, Bumo is now today. And so we're trying to expand as quickly as possible. But I think, again, the challenge 
now is to verify um, as fast as we can all the top childcare places. And so, so far right now, we are all over California. We've verified a few in New York and um, slowly expanding. As is this, is Bumo, was Bumo self-funded or was it something that you went out and raised for? Bumo, we did a friends and family round essentially. And it was a very, very small kind of initial start. And then just the word kind of got out because we got some uh, amazing people on board, like Jessica Alba, um, you know, some superstars that a lot of people just want to be a part of. So we opened up the round again for friends and family. It was like a, uh, a small seed round. So we did raise about 3.5 million, um, but we haven't raised um, besides that. I think that this story is really interesting because you realized what you were capable of doing and what you needed to do to pivot to make it work. Yeah. And I think that that is a really interesting piece of this story because you're right. In theory, when you think about what you initially did, of course you would say, oh, let's build out all these locations. That's like a natural, that's a natural thing for a, a mom who has childcare issues to think about. But to your point, the cost is tremendous. The time is unimaginable yeah. and to scale it would be it would it, you're I mean it would have been crazy to to do that and and I think that it is so admirable that you stuck with it and you pivoted because the service that you're providing is so scalable and now you've figured out a tech solution yeah yeah and I think the idea has always been to serve parents. We always say it's not just child care, it's parent care, because when your child are, your children are taken care of, then the parents are at ease. So we really believe that it's parent care. So whether it was how we initially started to where it is now, we are still serving our mission, which is to really take care of the parents. And so, yeah, we're really proud of how it's um, developed into something else and just proud that we are able to offer it to more people at, you know, such an affordable price and yeah, hopefully to continue to grow it as well. Hi guys. It's me, Lindsay. I'm not sure if you're aware, but over the last nine months, I haven't just helped big enterprise brands on their marketing efforts through my consulting firm. I've also helped over a dozen women, small business owners in launching their companies, building their brands, and to tweak what wasn't working. I've been building and growing brands for nearly 25 years, but I've forever used one method to build my own brands and that of my clients and students. My signature suite method utilizes social media, your website, emails, events, partnerships, and publicity to generate and execute cost-effective community-centric marketing strategies. If you're looking for that added layer of guidance, please reach out. There's a link in my show notes book a call with me, and let's see how I can help you. I can't wait to meet you and learn about your business. Now back to the show. What is next for Bumo? So the next step is really to um, get more locations verified to, in different states. And then the next step would be to, to open up an app because we really want parents to have this app to be able to open it up anywhere they are, whether they're on a family vacation in Hawaii or Florida, and just be able to find the best of the best care wherever they're at. 
how are you finding users and are you, and are you finding it easy to find users because and i'm asking this for so many reasons mainly because from someone who came from the parenting space i know the challenge of finding parents but i also know how easy sometimes it is to find parents. So I'm just curious as to like how, how you're finding your users and are you finding repeat customers? How is this working? Yeah. So we started off, I mean, technically we launched three years ago, but it's really been five years in the making. So I think with that said, we've developed because we were digital first, we have such a strong digital presence and a lot of parents, even if they've never experienced Bumo because they're not in California, they've at least heard of Bumo or they've interacted with someone that has used Bumo. So one digital to answer your question, but two, um, you know, during the pandemic, we had to pivot because we couldn't open the physical space. It was actually supposed to open up in year 2020. We all know what happened that year. And so we actually started Bumo Brain, which was a online school. My partner, my business partner for Bumo is, that's her background is education. And we were able to garner a lot, a lot of, new eyeballs and students and families because of Bumo Brain. We had families all across uh, across the globe from Singapore, Korea, um, even Africa that were signing up for our digital programs. And so that was probably one of the biggest um, pivots that we made, but also I think it's made Bumo such a recognizable name globally for that reason. Um, and then three, it's really grassroots now because uh, my co-founder, Joan, she lives in Pasadena and she she said in Pasadena, it's really the moms over there that are all they use is Bumo. She said, if you go to Pasadena, like if you don't use Bumo, you live under a rock in Pasadena. And so it's those Pasadena moms that are just like talking to people about Bumo and it's just kind of spread into other cities. They're your proof of concept. Yeah. And so it's really grassroots and word of mouth, the people that are actually physically using Bumo and um, signing up for on-demand childcare through the website right now. Um, And that is the power of the mom, right? Just by her talking and having her experience something amazing and wanting to share it to another mom. I will tell you, we never paid a dime for advertising at Bob Club. Yeah. Never. It was all... Word of mouth. I mean, we started before social media. Later on in the game, we, um, you know, we were when we were running campaigns with Target, Huggies, etc. There was budget for those campaigns, but it wasn't. We never ran branded awareness for Bump Club. It was all word of mouth. And moms, when they like something, as you know, they share it. Oh yeah, they're your best advocate. I mean, if 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 you could start a business for any demographic, that's the demographic I would tell you to start a business for because. If it's, if it's good, they will sign up in droves and promote. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And they will pay for, for something good too. So I wish that this existed when one, when I owned bump club and two, (laughs) when, when I needed it, because it really is an amazing, amazing idea. And I'm really excited to see where it continues to go as you guys grow, because everyone needs it. Childcare never goes out of style. It's a constant conversation. I had a conversation yesterday. Someone called me and and said, "Can I talk to you about au pairs?" Because we had an au pair, we had au pairs for twelve years, and I talked to her for an hour about it. You know, so it's one of those things that is a constant 
um, struggle also for parents in the United States because there just isn't affordable childcare. No. There's not good childcare. We all know this. So I love that you're taking a problem that you had that so many moms have and grabbing it by the horns and really trying to solve it. So I think it's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I'm going to switch gears a little, which doesn't really happen a lot here on the podcast because most of my founders are founders times one, but you are like a founder times a hundred. So I do, I do want to address floor as well, because I just feel, I feel like there's just so much going on. And I, and I think there's this whole conversation about balance too, right? Like you have three very distinct different businesses here. I mean, we've talked about your content creation and your production. We've talked about the, the tech app that you're developing and childcare in the parenting space. And now we're talking about a fragrance. (laughs) So I would love for you to such a good reflection of my personality. (laughs) Well, and I, so, and I, but I think that that's, that's amazing. So I would like for you to touch upon floor and how you got involved. I know you briefly said it in the beginning and, um, but I would like for you to go a little bit more into that. And then I have a couple of questions too about time management. Sure. So yeah, Fleur was definitely not a part of my plan. I was never planning to own a fragrance company. I've always appreciated fragrance. I always loved fragrance. I always wore fragrance every single day. But did I ever think that I would own a fine fragrance company? No, absolutely not. I identify definitely more uh, as a fashion girl than a fragrance girl. It was really during um, my divorce, which was about two and a half years ago, um, when my now business partner, Ben Bennett, he gave me a call and he's a very uh, well-respected man in the beauty industry. And he said, Christelle, I am about to, I'm looking at a fragrance company called Fleur and I am looking to acquire them. There's a really big opportunity for me to acquire it, but I only want to do it if you do it with me. And I was like, oh man, I don't know. (laughs) This is a really big commitment. I have a lot going on right now. I'm going through one of the hardest times in my life emotionally and physically because I, I was now a single mom. And so I said, just give me, just give me a few like days to think about it. And so I really thought about it. And there was one thing that he said that really stuck with me. And that was, there's something about Fleur and you that have a lot of similarities right now. You guys are both going through a rebirth. You guys are both coming to an end of a chapter and about to rebirth into something beautiful. Um, And I kept thinking about that line he said, and I was like, what what if this this is part of my rebirth story? What if, you know, I can tell my own personal stories? Because for frag- fragrance for me has always been about emotion and how I wanted to feel, right? So if I was feeling sad that day, I would want to put on something that made me feel a little bit better about myself. If I didn't feel sexy or good, I put on sexy perfumes so I could feel sexy. So it really helped me evoke this kind of mood that I want to be in. And so I said, what if I could tell my own personal stories through these fragrances? And so I decided to give it a a chance. And it was really just an incredible experience because what we were able to do was never done in the fragrance industry. We were selling fragrances that 
did not exist before. They were not available to smell at the counter of any store because it was purely D2C, direct to consumer. And so I had to really tell a compelling emotional story in order for people to connect with it. And that's what I do. That's what I've been doing um, from college was just telling stories about my life. And so the very first fragrance that we launched was called Missing Person. And Missing Person was really inspired by my divorce of missing a moment in time, missing a certain, it doesn't have to be that person per se, but it could be a memory that keeps coming up. Um, and I was in a place where I, I was feeling very nostalgic because I would keep kind of flashbacking to moments when I felt secure and warm by in a relationship. And that's what I really missed so much. And so I want to bottle something up that if I sprayed it, it, it brought warmth and it brought comfort. Um, I really felt empty at night or even in the morning waking up to an empty bed. So I wanted to spray something where I could spray on my pillow as well, where it felt like it smelled like like someone's skin, which sounds kind of creepy and weird. Um but that's what I was longing for at the time. And so we worked with um, our nose and I would describe her these emotions that I was feeling and what I wanted. And that's how Missing Person was born. And that was the first fragrance we launched. And it went viral beyond I could ever dream of. Um, and it was a scent that no one's ever smelled before. And so we kind of flipped the fragrance industry upside down because they're like, how, are, how do you guys have a 200,000 person wait list for a fragrance that no one knows how it smells? It sold out within minutes that we launched it. And it was really because of this story. And it was really about wanting to be loved. And I think everyone has a universal same emotion. They've experienced it at some point, whether it's missing a best friend, a lover, um, your sister, your mom. And so what started happening on TikTok was people would purchase missing person and they would spray it and they would start crying and they'll be like, oh my God, this reminds me of you know, my mom that just passed away and it's so nostalgic. I don't even know how to describe it. And it just really evoked so much emotion for people. Um, and it became almost therapy for people to be able to experience missing person. Just so you know, I just wrote down here next to me. I wrote that Fleur was therapy for you. Yeah. During a time when you needed it. And it, and I was going to ask you, like, do you believe in things happening for a reason and coming to you at the right time? Do you believe in that or no? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one, I, I do believe in things coming to you when you need it without you even realizing it. But also, as you mentioned, it was therapy for me. You know, I, I was seeing a therapist at the time, but this was also another outlet for me to just be able to pour my kind of experiences and emotions and also the gratification of being able to see other people feel those same emotions was really powerful. Um, yeah. But I want to say, and I want to just point to me, this is very obvious and to you, it might be very obvious, but to people who are listening, who it might not be obvious to, I, I need to say this, like you 
sold a fragrance. You, you sold out a fragrance that no one could even smell based on a story. And that is something we talk about here a lot. I share, I talk about storytelling on my own Instagram with my clients, within my classes all the time. Storytelling is key. And you just, you know, were the case study for that in a huge, huge, huge way in what you shared. And also just now when you were telling me about your involvement with Fleur and how it started and when you were sharing the story, that was the most emotional and connected I've seen you since we got on here. You clearly are very passionate about what it is and that passion is what sells. So I want to, I'm reiterating that because you don't even have to talk about the product 99.9% of the time, but if you have a good story and you're passionate about it, it will sell itself. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, it's, you know, it's really amazing. It has to be good too. <laughs> of so, course. To, you know, you could obviously get people to have a first purchase because of a, an incredible, compelling story, but how do you get them to keep coming back? And I think this kind of leads me into how Fleur continues to stay on top is because every single fragrance um, is just so good and it's something that I'm so proud of. And most of our our customers, they're repeat customers, right? I mean, the question now is like, how do we get more new customers and new eyeballs? Um, but then our customers that love missing person, um, they also love solar power. They and we have which is more of like a lighter scent. We also have apricot privé, which is is a little bit more woody and fruity. They love somebody wood, and so. There's just so many ways also, not so many ways, but it's equally as important to figure out how to continue to bring your customers back to your brand. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. I can ask you questions all day, truly, but I want to be respectful of our time, obviously. I, my biggest question, and I think, I don't want to say the biggest elephant in the room, but I would say the biggest thing people are probably wondering is like, holy shit, like, how does this woman do it? Like, I mean, you really, you just described three very different jobs that you have for three very big endeavors that you lead. How do you manage this? Yeah. It took, some time to get to a place where I didn't feel like I was running around like with my head cut off. And I think it was 
probably up until two years ago, or not even two, maybe about a year ago, where I felt like, okay, like, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm not saying that in the beginning, you can demand this from your business partners or your team, because you have to be in the grind with them, you have to understand the business, you have to take the time to understand what everyone does. So there's no waste of time if you're doing everything, because as a founder, you are the only person that is responsible for everything, right? And so for me in the early stages, when I felt like I was going to die and I felt like I just was doing too much, that was not wasted time. That was me understanding the business and also understanding what I'm good at and capable at. Um, so I think there is that. That is something that you have to learn as a founder. Um, but eventually, once you get to a point and you understand um, how to hire and you get to a place where you can have a solid team um, or even a, a strong business partner. Every single one of my business, I know there are some people that love being a solo founder. I cannot be a solo founder. And that's something I know about myself. Um, and and so every single business that I have, I have a very, very strong partner and they usually are the opposite of what I am. And so that is kind of my secret sauce is having a partner that makes up for my weaknesses. Um, and I allow them to do what they're great at, which allows me to focus on the things that I'm good at. And so even though it sounds like, and I, I do do a lot, but, um, because I'm very, very strategic with my time and, um, you know, who does what it's, it's actually very manageable now. I'm glad to hear that. And I think that that was such a great explanation. And also I, I do think it's important to point out that these three endeavors that Chriselle and I just talked about, they didn't happen all at once and they didn't happen overnight. And, you know, it definitely was, a, was progress and it was building upon each experience as we discussed in the beginning. And I like to say that because I don't, I don't want anyone listening to think like, oh my God, like I, like, you know, how is she doing and how am I supposed to do this? It it takes time. I mean, you you just talked about 15 years of your life essentially. Yeah. 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 It does take time. And, you know, these things, as you mentioned, didn't all happen at once. I think one thing happened at a time and now all three of them are kind of growing together. But there are some times when another business needs more attention than the other. And there's times when one business is doing better than the other. And so, yeah, nothing is ever the same. <laughs> so before we wrap up, I wanted to, I want to ask you what I ask everyone. And that is what are three actionable steps or tips that you would give a female founder who's just starting out? I would say one is really understand what your passion is and really understand what, what you're, what you're trying to build. Because if it's just for money and when times get hard, it's easy to burn out quickly. But if it's something that you absolutely love and you're so passionate about and during hard times which there will be many hard times um, you will keep going because of your passion and your desire to see this thing come to life and so I think one it's very important to identify what it is that you're trying to build and why right for me child care um, I was passionate about it not because 
I wanted to be in the childcare industry, but because I personally was struggling so much as a working mother, and I knew that so many other women around me were struggling because of that, and I knew that there had to be a solution for that, and so that was kind of my why. And then another is just not being afraid to invest your money back into the business and finding. Finding someone that's better than you and putting the the money there. Of course, in the beginning, you have to be very very careful with where your money goes. But when you get to a place where you're like, okay, I I I have some extra cash where I what should I do with this? Invest it right back in to the business. And for me, it's always been about people. When you find the right people,、um, your business can only grow as far as as good as your people are. And so, I'm a huge believer in investing it back into people. Chriselle Lim, creator and founder of Floor and Bumo, and honestly, entrepreneur extraordinaire. Thank you so much for being here for sharing your story. You ju- you just shared so much in the last forty five minutes. I am so forever appreciative, and I can't wait to share this with our community. Thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun for me. Thank you. I told you that you were going to love this conversation, and I hope that you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed having it. As always, I'm going to share with you my top five takeaways from today's conversation. And if you subscribe to my email list in the show notes, I will send you all the takeaways from today's conversation and so much more. But for now, take out your pen and paper because you are absolutely going to want to write these down. Number one, build yourself a sufficient and efficient team. This will allow you to focus on what you want to focus on. It's okay to start off wearing all the different hats and taking on all the different roles. And to figure out what it is that you want to do, but once you realize your lane, stay in it and hire and outsource as needed. Number two, focus on your strengths. Number three, tell your story and share your story. Does that sound familiar?、It's、something you hear me say all the time. Storytelling is key. Chriselle sold out a fragrance that no one could even smell just by telling an emotional story. Number four. Be passionate about what you're doing because passion sells. You do not have to talk about the product 99.9% of the time. And number five, wear the many hats you need to wear as a founder, and then know your limits. Understand what you're good at. When you're strategic with your time and who does what, you actually can manage your own time. I want to thank Chriselle Lim so much for being here, taking time out of her busy schedule. As you as you heard today, she is quite the busy woman. But for taking time out of her busy schedule to join us, it really meant a lot to me, and I'm sure that you guys enjoyed this conversation as well. But for now, you're going to want to stay tuned because we have a brand new episode coming your way every single Tuesday throughout the summer. We'll be throwing in some bonus episodes on Thursdays and Fridays. But I hope that you guys are enjoying your summer. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for being here. Until next time.